dreams are fascinating and understanding them shows us they are relevant and revealing in ways that are unique dream explanations are not precise and decoded perfectly as some places might have us believe in fact true experts in the field are always cautioning us that we must not read into them as anyone else might do so it is very important that you listen to my guest today so that you can use your dreams the right way without falling into the trap of loose advice if you use her clear frameworks but apply them uniquely to you and your dreams they might be the answer to more insight creativity and vision for yourself In today's podcast we will answer three key questions. Do you think dreams are trying to tell us things and if so what? What are some different categories of dreams? How can we work with our dreams? Dr. Diane Aspel Johnson maintains licenses from both the California and Colorado boards of psychology. is a consultant for the American Society of Clinical Hypnosis co-founder of the Los Angeles Erickson Institute and has spent 8 years as the vice president of continuing education programs for the Southern California Society for Clinical Hypnosis She co-taught the year-long clinical hypnosis seminar at UCLA's Department of Psychiatry. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Allied Functional Medicine practitioner, author and yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Dan, welcome back to the Sleep Whisperer podcast and um I know that your first episode on self-hypnosis was hugely popular. It continued to receive several downloads even last week of course, but today we are talking about the meaning of dreams and I think um generally people like to know what are they going to get answers about on the episode so in, in this episode the three key questions that we'll aim to 
answer are that do you think dreams are trying to tell us something if so what are they trying to tell us what are some of those different categories of dreams and how can people work with their dreams and we'll try and answer these three questions and dream episodes are immensely popular as you can imagine that we've had so many of them ranging from nightmares to uh, creative imagery and they've all been I don't know what is it about that magical word of dreams that is so enticing to everybody. Um, but if somebody would like to talk about, if someone would like to know what you spoke about on the previous episode in self-hypnosis and how you got into that path, I'm sure they can go back and take a listen. But let's just jump into the conversation today as do you think dreams are trying to tell us some things? And if so, what are they trying to tell us? Yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to answer that question. And, um, you know, I do think that dreams are trying to tell us things. And I think that different dreams um, tell us different things. I think sometimes there are certain dreams that just, um, you know, that are just processing information. Of course, a lot happens when we're sleeping. We consolidate information that we've taken in during the day and we move it around and file it away in different areas. And so sometimes that's what's going on and, and our brains are taking all this different information in and, and moving around. But sometimes I think dreams are trying to guide us and sometimes they're trying to validate us and um, and connect the conscious and the unconscious processes. So I think that there are a lot of different reasons why we dream the way that we dream. And what do you think, Dehan, about when you said processing? And I know that memories, there's a lot to do with memories in our sleep when we are dreaming. And um, what is really... Um, I mean, it seems a bit unfair that the memories we want to let go of, they continue to arise so powerfully. And the ones that we like to consolidate is sometimes when we are under trauma, they don't really consolidate. So um, before we jump into other aspects, I love your perspective on why, I mean, why is it such a struggle for us to let, why, why do these traumatic memories tend to consolidate themselves faster than the others? And, um, but, you know, I think, um, first of all, just for the listeners who don't fully understand how memory works, I think it's, it's so so what happens is there are really three phases of memory and sleep is extremely important to memory and memory consolidation. So what happens is, is we're, we're in our conscious way, we, um, we take in a lot of information. And as we take in that information, that's one part of the memory process, which is receiving. Then that those memories, the, those pieces of information that we perceive and we receive, um, those have to get moved around to different parts of the brain and in a sense get filed away. That's called consolidation. And what happens when that information gets moved into the brain and put into its like almost like little files um, is that a lot of that happens when we're sleeping. So sleep is extremely important 
to the cognitive process, extremely important to memory and to resolving trauma and to things like that. And then the third stage of memory is recall. So maybe the next day, maybe years later, we recall, we pull that file and we pull out those, that, those bits of information, that, that memory. And then, now this is where it gets interesting. When we recall it, we're actually receiving it again. So if you tell a story to somebody about something that you remember, when you are telling that story, you are both recalling it and you are receiving it again. And so every time that happens, we go through that process again and again. And that's why memory kind of skews a little bit. Because every time we remember something, we're actually remembering what we remembered. You know, it's like it's a whole new beginning and it's going to change a little bit each time. So the so sleep, which is so important to memory consolidation, is a is a crucial element. And so getting good quality sleep is very important to um, being true to those memories and to processing all of that information in a, a really effective way. So a lot of times when there is trauma and there's some element of dissociation or it's hard to take in and receive all of the information because maybe all of that information doesn't make sense to us or it's overwhelming to us, it can be very difficult to then go through the next stage, which is the consolidation phase. And so there are different ways that people can work with that. My, one of my favorite ways is somatic experiencing, because you know I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner, and that's a way of working with the nervous system and working with um, trauma in a, in a very slow um, way that allows each part to, um, to get resolved and integrated. And I know we took a little segue there, Diane. So let's jump back into what are the different categories of dreaming? I mean, I, I can't even take a guess, but uh, I mean, we've spoken about nightmares and using dreams, lucid dreaming. So uh, what are these different categories? Well, the way that I tend to think of it, and you know, I've I've been um, studying my dreams and other people's dreams really extensively, both in my practice as a psychologist, and um, you know, my my mother is a, also a psychologist and um, studied as a Jungian and worked with dreams. So I had I was fortunate in that she started working with me with dreams as soon as I started dreaming. So um, I'm, I'm sort of steeped in this. And then professionally, um, I've also run some dream groups, different types of dream groups over the years. So um, I, I have a lot of sort of experience in thinking about it. And the way that I have, have um, tended to think or what I've begun to notice is I think there are kind of three main categories of dreams. One is I think that sometimes we just have this kind of background noise dreams that are, re are really just us processing information, organizing it, consolidating it. Um, and those dreams are kind of like white noise. You know, sometimes they're funny or they're weird. Sometimes they're just things that we don't necessarily remember or don't seem very important. And I think that's just processing. Um, the, another category, I think, is sometimes we have dreams that really stand out to us and they feel important, even though we don't 
know what they mean. Sometimes those can be recurring dreams. Sometimes those can be just um, funny dreams or dreams that just stand out for whatever reason, maybe because they were so weird or vibrant in a certain way or something like that. And I think that those dreams are trying to tell us something sometimes to, to guide us in a certain way or teach us in a certain way. I think um, sometimes, um, you know, people who we love or, um, you know, animals or those who have passed maybe can appear in those dreams. And I think those um, are, are really important. Those aren't just, I think, necessarily background noise that's processing. I think sometimes that's us being guided in a certain way and it, and it takes our attention and it focuses us and in a, in a way it's trying to get our attention and say there's something important happening here. Um, the third main category of dreams is nightmares. And I have, um, I, I have over time learned, I think, this is just my own um, hypothesis, but I think that nightmares are scary because they're trying to get our attention. And I don't think usually, um, actually almost ever in my experience, I don't think that they are, um, are reflecting um, something terrible that's going to happen. I don't think that their intention is to scare us, to make us afraid. I think their intention is to get our, is to get our attention. And I, I, I have found that when people have nightmares, even nightmares that they remember for many years, when you actually look back and you track those, it's almost like the unconscious is saying, I'm here with you. You're not alone. The things that you think are big things, the things that feel so important that are going on are really go are, are, are going on. They are important. And, um, you know, I remember I had a dream when I was um, maybe not eight or nine years old. And, um, and I didn't really tend to have many nightmares. I haven't had a lot of nightmares in my life. Um, but I had this nightmare that was so terrifying to me that I almost couldn't talk about it. And I remember that even years and years later, it still terrified me. So when I was in graduate school, maybe I was 25 years old, and I had this wonderful professor and we had these residential conferences twice a year. We had to go for a week, all of us to this conference. And this wonderful professor was an, um, an expert on working with dreams. And so he would have a dream table and whoever got to that lunch table first got to be part of this dream group. So you know that I was the first person there every single lunch. I would rush there. I was the first one sitting down. I always made sure that I was there. There were maybe a dozen of us there, you know, maybe 12. So um, year after year, different people would present their dream. And, and the way it would work is the person would present their dream. Everybody would have to write it down exactly as it was said. And then we would go around. It was a technique called the Ullman Dream Group. And each person could ask a question, but the questions were like practical questions, not like, what does it mean? But like, oh, you said you were sitting on a couch. What color was the couch? Oh, was it day or night out the window? Those kinds of things, just so that you could imagine that the dream was yours. Then everybody would go around and they would say, if it were my dream, this is what I would think it would mean. 
Now, if it was snowing outside in the dream, I might say, if it were my dream, um, it would remind me of my childhood when I grew up in Chicago and it would snow and there would be a snowstorm. That might not be the dreamer's experience, the person who originally dreamed it, but that would be my experience. And then we would go around and we would talk about what it meant. And in this way, it became this very collective dream, very empathic. And, and the dreamer had the benefit of hearing what those symbols might mean to a different person. So finally, after maybe two or three years, I finally brought my terrifying nightmare that came from when I was nine years old. I had to work up the nerve. So I brought my nightmare and these were all people I didn't know, by the way. They didn't know my history. I didn't know them. And they all went around and they said what it would mean to them. And it, Deepa, it was so amazing because when that happened, all of them, when they decoded it, it, um, it became clear that they all felt that it was a major transition and that it was a very deep and overwhelming time. That was their experience of the dream. And when they said that, I suddenly realized, oh my goodness, my dear unconscious was telling me that my feelings at that time when I was you know, just nine years old and overwhelmed by many things, that those things were, um, were real. They were reflected in the dream. And the dream to me was telling me, you're not alone, sweetheart. What's happening on the outside is also what's happening on the inside. And suddenly, the dream was scary. In fact, the dream felt validating to me. And the nightmare became a validation. And so I have found that when I've worked with clients and when I've worked with dream groups. And so I, I think it's really um, helpful to people sometimes to see nightmares in that way. Diane, you just have this beautiful way of telling stories. And I was full of smiles when you said I could imagine I was the first at that table. I could so imagine you as the first person there. And the way you tell the story is validating and it's reassuring and it brings so much of depth into it that I think I can Im immediately take my mind over to some of my dreams, some of my experiences. And those categories of dreams which you broke down were really insightful and that first category which you described about being the random dreams the white noise so to speak I mean that happens to us probably a lot of the time whether it's just piecing different experiences of life in the last few days and putting it together in these crazy ways which make no sense or they are uh, amusing but when you spoke about the dreams which are really something for us to pay attention to in the last ever since my father passed away I've had so many dreams of my father and they've been powerful enough where I've woken up and I felt for a moment is this real? And it took me a while to actually understand that, no, he's no longer here and this is a dream. But there was a learning in each of them and it was happening every few days in the last month. So I could relate to that as well. And yes, when you spoke about the trauma and the nightmares, of course, I went back into uh, how I used to have those after my first divorce and 
um, those traumatic experiences. I think when you said they're just validating and reassuring, and I think you're so right, it, it probably just a way for us to process those very traumatic life experiences and uh, maybe release them in a way. But how you describe them was really very, very insightful. And I just want to appreciate that for a second. And this is why I love having conversations with you. Um, and how can people work with these dreams? Well, um, thank you so much for that and for sharing what your experience is also, because I think that's so valuable. I think a lot of people, um, particularly when they um, they have a loved one pass you know it it it's in the the dream state that a lot of that is processed and I think also in a, in a sense um you know I like to feel and I have felt like sometimes that is a place where the loved one can can kind of touch into uh, in with us you know I, um one of the things that I have done is many years ago, um, I had this, um, I made this agreement with my, my unconscious, which was I had read this beautiful um, article about um, by a man named uh, psychologist, Mark Ian Barish is his name. And he, um, it was an article about um, how he had had a dream and in, in it, um, there was a, a car, maybe he was driving a car, I can't remember, but he knew from the dream that um, that he had thyroid cancer. And so he went to the doctor and he said this to the doctor and the doctor thought he was crazy and said, your blood tests are all fine and you don't. And he insisted they do a scan and sure enough, he did. And, um, and at the time I had very severe chronic health issues. Um, it was just before I had, I mean, maybe the year before I gotten trained in hypnosis. And so I thought to myself, well, maybe I, I've always worked with dreams. Maybe I can ask my, um, my unconscious for a dream. And because I'm having physical issues, I'm going to ask for a dream with a car in it. So I did that. I asked my unconscious every night for three nights before I went to bed, I, I said to myself, um, I'm asking you unconscious for a dream um, where there's a dream with a car in it and where the car symbolizes my body. The wheels are like my limbs and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and on the third night, I did get a dream with a car in it. And it was, I had, I didn't, I've since um, changed it a little bit to ask for a simple dream because I didn't ask for a simple dream. So I got a very complicated dream that took me hours to work with, but what it told, it, it actually gave me very specific instructions about what to do. And it told, it, it told me that I should do acupuncture. It told me a specific type of acupuncture to do. I had never done acupuncture at that point. And so I found, um, this great acupuncturist who I didn't realize at the time, but was, um, was this sort of famous, um, Chinese scalp acupuncturist, and he did acupuncture on me, and it was very, very helpful. And so from that time, I've had this agreement with my unconscious that if ever I need information that about my body or my health, it will give me a dream with a car in it. And over the years, I've had car dreams. And whenever I do, I always know they're important. Sometimes they have told me I need to do something. Sometimes Sometimes I've had these car dreams. Like I remember at one point I was working, my husband thought I was working too many hours and he was like, you're not taking enough breaks. And I was like, I think I'm okay. I'm feeling pretty good. And he was like, I don't know. I think you 
need to take more breaks. And so then I had a dream with a car in it and the car was parked safely in a parking lot. And there were um, police outside the, the, um, the doors to the parking lot and they were just guarding it and everything in there was safe. And it was a beautiful day on a beautiful in a beautiful neighborhood. And I woke up and I thought, oh, all right. Well, I guess the dream is saying that I'm doing okay, <laughs> that everything is, is safe and good. So, you know, sometimes we can ask for these kinds of dreams. In my, um, you know, I, as you know, I have this um, deep and easy sleep self-hypnosis package that's this downloadable, you know, seven different recordings. And one of them is about this, is, is teaching people self-hypnosis to choose a symbol. So I think people, the listeners, can choose a symbol, an image that they like, and ask their unconscious to use that image to guide them. And, and I find that that's very, very effective. Diane, I don't think I've ever asked myself to dream something specific, and I, which reminds me, I think I need to go back to your recordings at this moment in time. It's probably going to be very useful to me in this present situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I just want to clarify something now, you know, And this is just a vague example because I know that there will be listeners who probably have dreams and think about these things. So recently after my dad's passing a few days ago, I had a dream that uh, I was in the hospital and I was begging the doctors and everyone around to please give him some protein and he can't recover without the protein. And then I somehow sneaked him some protein and then he had the protein and he was able to stand a little bit, but then it didn't last very long and he fell on me and I was holding him up and I was basically his structure, his support. Uh, and then I was reminding everybody, see, I told you to give him protein. And then I woke up and I realized he was not there. Now, there are two ways I could look at this. And I've been baffling with this in my head. Probably you'd be great to clarify this is that this actually happened in the week before he passed away, where I was requesting everybody to give him some protein. And I said, it's impossible for him to come out of the ICU if he's not having some source of nourishment which is allowing him to manage and move past these things now I could have felt guilty that I didn't push it so was it my dream just helping me process my own emotion that I didn't do enough or I could have looked at it as um, is just telling me that he's support he's there with me even today and no matter what he's there with me how do you really differentiate these things um, that's so that's so interesting and that's I appreciate you sharing that with us you know that experience because I know it's a very um, you know it's a very intimate um, experience when you have a dream like that and especially about your father and um, and giving us even that background um, of what did happen in that in that week before and you know I think that there are a lot of different layers to it so I think both of those interpretations are certainly valid. And I guess um, if it were my dream, I might also think that about how in, in it, um, if it were my dream, and I did, I felt this very strongly, he needs protein and I did give him protein and he rallied. And then 
he he collapsed again and 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 that might make me that that I, I think might it would both be um very emotional for me i think to to have that to witness that and at the same time i think i might also feel a little bit validated that even though i was right that it could have helped him it wasn't going to save him because he he rallied a bit but then in the dream he collapsed and so if it were my dream i would think ah it's telling me that it was his time and that i that, that the things that i was saying could help him but they also were not going to resolve it that what was going to be was going to be regardless and so for me i think that that might both validate me and feel like he he was speaking to me and saying I know what you were doing and that means so much, but I also, I wasn't, I wasn't going, it wasn't going to change the, the end point of that. That's it. That's it. It was my dream. I appreciate that. And I think that makes so much sense. And I know that we're almost out of time. However, uh, I will link your self-hypnosis recordings and people can go and listen, especially to that episode, which you spoke about how we can choose symbols. Now, I would like you to leave us before we close with a little bit of guidance on how do we pick these symbols? I mean, where do I go? When you were talking about how you chose a car and my mind went instantly to opening up my page on uh, uh, shamanism and animals and the imagery around animals and just closing my eyes and laying my finger on one space to see whatever comes mm-hmm. up for me. So is it something that we do in random or is there some some aspect of to how do we choose these symbols which can then continue to guide us through our dreams? Um. Um, I love that idea of, um, of of just laying your finger on and seeing what speaks to you. Um, I think that that's a great strategy. You know, as I said in in one of the, um, and I think you know this in one of those dream sets, there's a whole guided imagery, a whole self hypnosis that helps people to make those kinds of choices. And I think what I would say to people is, is they don't have to get too attached to one particular image. You know, you can just ask. You can choose something, and, and if it doesn't if it doesn't work for you anymore, you can choose something else. You know, the unconscious is very amenable. And and one of the other things that I just want to say to the listeners that's another strategy I really like, and I think it it follows this same kind of path of empowerment of recognizing that dreams um, are speaking to us, but we can also speak back. We can ask for things, and the unconscious is very accommodating. So you can choose something and if you don't like it or if it's not working, you can choose something else. But also, um, you know, there's there's all these different dream groups that I've done and different ways that I've worked with people in terms of working with the symbols from dreams and what dreams are telling us. One of the things that I also encourage people to do if it feels like the appropriate thing is to rewrite your dream. You know, I remember when my son was young and sometimes he would wake up in the middle of the night and he would wake me up in the middle of the night and or the next day he would say, I had this dream or I'm having this dream or I'm having this nightmare. And, um, and what does it mean? And what should I do with it? And sometimes it felt like we were being called to understand the symbol. 
you know, maybe there's a bear in the dream and maybe this, the bear woke him up and he was scared of it. And sometimes that was about understanding what it was telling him. But other times it seemed like maybe it's just a matter of rewriting the dream. It's your dream. You can rewrite it. You can change the ending. You can change what happens. And that can happen in real, you know, like can happen in real time. That's part of what happens with lucid dreaming. But what about afterwards? You know, why not write down a dream and then rewrite that dream? I had a, a client once who had a dream that actually really alarmed me. It's the only time that I can remember having a client who had a dream where I was very concerned about it. And I said, and I, rather than interpreting it with her, I said, let's rewrite it. How would you like it to go? It's your dream. And how she rewrote it was very different than how I would have rewritten it. But I really believe it changed. She was very different after that. Her depression, her anxiety, a lot of those symptoms changed. So I would encourage people to think in these terms. Beautiful, beautiful, Diane. It was such a pleasure having you. And where can people access this um, recordings? And of course, there'll be a show notes link and people can click on it. Um, they can just go to, um, they, they can either go to my website, which is just www.drdiane.com. So that's dr dyan.com and there's a shop there but they can also um, download a free ebook and video which is um, is www.selfhypnosisforhealing.com and if they download those free materials there's a free ebook there's a free video they will actually get a discount uh, if they choose to buy the um, the deep and easy sleep self hypnosis pack so I would recommend that they go that way. Any final words, Diane, for just sharing about these different kinds of dreams and symbols? Anything to just leave us with a parting note? Um, I would say that, um, that there is a real wisdom in, in our dreams. Sometimes that is just processing. Sometimes that is a gem of guidance or validation, but to allow yourself to enjoy that process and to, to know that the unconscious is there to support us and to have integration and cohesiveness. So it's, it's not trying to um, scare you or tell you what to do. It's really there as um, your, your deep friend that's, that's, got, that's walking with you through this other realm. And so just take its hand, it's there for you and just feel that tenderness of it. And I think that it will be ritually rewarding and sweet dreams. That's a lovely takeaway, Dan. And in fact, that was what I took away right away when you were talking about it. That somewhere the unconscious has felt like something far away, a stranger, someone that's totally unknown. And when you were talking, I was just thinking, I mean, this is my unconscious. I mean, I should be feeling safe. I should be feeling connected. And that was a huge takeaway for me. Thank you, Diane, for being here today. It's such a pleasure, and I'm so grateful um, to be back on the show with you. You're such a wonderful host, and it's always fascinating. So thank you so much. 
On today's episode, Dr. Diane Haspel-Johnson brought us great clarity into understanding the meaning of dreams. If you missed other dream episodes, scroll down and take a listen. The guests that we have had have all been knowledgeable, credible and have brought clarity. Here's what I learned from my dreams in the last year. I do differentiate chaotic dreams and dreams with clarity. Chaotic dreams appear like little bits of nonsense spun into a stream of stories within the space of my night's eye. They seem confused and they are always pointing towards chaos in my gut and liver. Dreams with clarity are those from which I have woken up, not knowing for a moment if I am awake or asleep. They have seemed real and they brought me into a moment of sheer lucidity. I have shared them instantly in a journal as they seem to slip away. Later, when I read them again, I have insight and direction into my emotions, myself and my entire life ahead. I've been able to get more out of them ever since I paid attention and since I started to write them down. Start by just writing a quick note about your dreams. Before you know it, they will seem insightful and revealing to you. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding If you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches. I would prefer 
you know, the either the natural calm or any other formula that comes like in a, in a powder that you can mix and just help with that absorption. Um, in, in glycinate forms, I'm going to mention a brand that I really like. Uh, it's a professional brand. It's Designs for Health. I really like their, their magnesium glycinate and it has, a, it has a really actually high dose in it. I can't remember the number, but I know that comparing it with others, they have a really good um, magnesium glycinate. So that's in the, uh, but the same, you know, Metagenics also offers it or any of the atrium brands. Um, so uh, Douglas Labs and Pure Encapsulations actually is also another one that I would recommend. Um, yeah, but, but also, there's, there's, you know, there's tons of brands out there. Magnesium, and I'm going to speak once again from the business perspective, like it's an extremely popular supplement. So there's, there's a lot out there. Just do your research. Maybe, um, you know, the brands that I mentioned is, is uh, it's the conclusions that I came to and, and, um, and that I love and know. But, uh, but talk to your practitioner and see uh, maybe what, what other brands you can explore. Lovely, Maria. Thank you for your time. And where can people find you if they'd like to know more about magnesium yes. and a whole lot more about Maria? Thank you, Deepa. Um, I'm, my, my website is mariaroldan.ca. Um, that's, that's where you can find me. Uh, I'm, I'm making a lot of changes now to my website. And I do, I'm going to be doing a lot more work in, in Spanish, you know, if you, uh, if any of your listeners uh, know people that can benefit, you know, from, from having access to this information in Spanish. That's what I'm going to start doing. I mean, in, in, on Instagram, which is Maria Roldan underscore uh, dot CA, I've started to post exclusively in Spanish because I feel that, that I, I need to, to help and to help spread this information to that uh, community as well. But, um, but yes, in, in Maria Roldan dot CA is, is what really people can find me. And I know that I'd encourage anyone to go to your Instagram and I always listen to your videos because you sound so musical when you're talking in Spanish that it just cheers <laughs> me up. Uh, but thank you for your time, Maria. It was a pleasure speaking with you and I can see your dog in the background at the end as we wrap this up. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Deepa. Thank you for you know the work that you're doing and, and all the information you're putting out there to, to help like so many people. So thank you for that as well.